spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Pudding Du Jour, the podcast exclusively about those jiggly desserts we love so much. Yay, pudding! Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. This, this, this is the movie one, isn't it? Oh, wait. Yeah. What, what day is today? Oh, jeez. Oops. <laughs> right. Well, <clears throat> welcome to Max Mike Movies, movie. the podcast utterly devoid of pudding. I'm gotta, Mike, the tall gotta... one with the glasses, and on my um, my other is Max, <laughs> the brilliant one with the smile of cheese. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Hi, Mike. I, I just have to get this uh, spicy banana pudding out of the way. Oh, ew. Yeah. Uh, we talk about movies we do, we do, we do. And this week in our series of Then and Now, or what, this again? Mm-hmm. We're looking at the 1963 film Charade and its remake from 2002, The Truth About Charlie. Also we'll con- known as Charade. No. 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 Uh, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... No. Uh, we'll compare and contrast, poke, wrangle, and expound to see if one or the other comes out on top. Ooh, that sounded kinky. <laughs> but first, uh, just to let you know that this uh, this whole series was suggested by one of our dear listeners, and you too could be a dear listener mm. and suggest things at us. How do you do that? Well, you could email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You could visit our website, which is surprisingly maxmikemovies.com, where you didn't can leave comments. Coming. I didn't. Woo! <laughs> Blindsided me. If you like to do the Facebook thing, you can see us at um, Max Mike Movies. There's a, a, a uh, pattern going on here, a mm. trend. We're <clears throat> becoming predictable, are we? You know, Paul. <laughs> yeah, 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 Dave, you're a fresh kick, Dave. Uh, yeah, and you know, then we can do that that thing where people tweet at each other. Why they do this, I don't know, but we are, of course, at Plort symbol Matt Max Mike movies and uh, I'm leaving something out what is it nope, nope, I think you we covered it all we don't tumblr I know we don't do that we don't snapchat no, no. I guess that no, would you, be it oh no, yes you can, you can you get the podcast on our your favorite podcast app whether it be on the Google podcast thingy or the Apple podcast thingy uh, there we are you can subscribe you can even like us some people would like us on the wall but that's please not like us <laughs> yes please <laughs> like us and you know what if you like the show tell your friends uh well assuming you don't necessarily want to keep them but <laughs> so yes, oh, yes. This... yes and you can go on uh, uh etsy and buy our plush dolls <laughs> i'm feeling a little too plush this week um no no you can't we don't have an etsy store uh, well, no merch not, not yet Although we should think about merch. Hey, if you would like to su- suggest merch to us and what kind yeah. of merch you would like, you can contact us through one of those things and we will merch at you. Wait, isn't merch like the Klingon word for fart? <laughs> if it wasn't, it is now. Because as you know, Klingon is a growing language. Uh, it's also gibberish. Oh, what I said. Ooh, but no. there's no Klingons this week. We, in fact, have uh, what is one uh, one of those heisty film things. Sort mm. of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. But... Let's go to the plot, shall we? Let's. The show. So, in both films... Here we are at the plot. (laughs) Will you stop? (laughs) Well, just for a moment. All right. Uh, In both films, there is a young woman named Regina Lambert, and she is on vacation mulling over the recent marriage to her husband, Charles. When she returns to Paris, where she lives, she finds her husband and all all their belongings gone. There's a knock on the door. The police would like to speak Ooh, with her. And ha- <laughs> it's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. Um, the police would like to speak with her and have her identify the body of her husband. Sure enough, Charles is dead. But things oh. aren't quite so clear as all that. There's a man she met while away who is soon waltzing into her life. There's a mysterious group of people that seem to know Charles a good deal better than Regina does. And on top of all this, it seems there's a large chunk of missing funds Charles is thought to have stolen, possibly from this group of people. Everyone concerned seems to think that Regina has the money or knows where it is. She doesn't. Things escalate, swirl, and deceive before it all becomes clear. And everyone charades all over the place. They do. It's disgusting. Mm. I have to uh, put out an extra warning. I know we have this warning in our theme song. La, 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 la. But ah! <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I evoke... No. Uh, There are more spoilers than usual because this Mm. film does have some definite plot twists and we will likely be discussing them. It's kind of hard not to. It's Um, really hard to avoid when you're discussing anything about this movie. The the movie is very plot-centric. 
Yes, so you, if you'd like to skip to the end and hear just the verdict, or go ahead and watch the movies first, by all means do so. Um, but yeah, there, there, are, there will be big, big, fat, throbbing, excited spoilers aimed right at you. Chocolatey covered spoilers. Mmm, in milk. Crunchy, though. So, uh, we have a little bit of trivia, um, because we're going to be discussing two different films, I didn't have too much on it. Um, the original film, Charade. Ooh, see what you made me do? <laughs> I'll get my you evil, for this my next plan. time. <laughs> um, the original charade cost around $4 million. Its eventual worldwide take was about 13. So this mm-hmm. would be a win. Um, also 13 million back in 63 is a lot more than 13 million now. Yeah, so that ain't yeah. hay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the newer film, the truth about Charlie, it has $60 million budget. It's Whoa. take was five. <laughs> wow. I, I, I assume you mean $5. No, no, it was $5 million, but honestly, wow. as, far as, far, as far as Hollywood is concerned, that's $5. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so that would be an oops. We put that in the oops category. That's a big oops. That's originally, a oops. Uh, yeah, double, ooh, that's a double oops. Uh, originally up for, ma, um, for uh, Marky Mark's role there was Will Smith. That would, could have made it better. Yes, it could. It could have been a much more interesting film. Uh, not mm. saying anything necessarily about Charlie yet, but... Yeah. Uh, it could have been a very different film if yeah. Will Smith had been there. Uh, they also originally, I believe, wanted Matt Damon, but he wasn't available. Cause, Matt uh, Damon! <laughs> you know, I'm not sleeping with Matt Damon. Um, Mark Wahlberg, the, the star of The Truth About Charlie, believes this to be his worst film. I would like to ask him personally about Planet of the Apes or I would like to Transformer ask, or, movies. I'd like to ask about The Happening. Well... To be fair, there was extra bad going on in that that didn't have anything to do with him, at least in mm-hmm. our humble opinion. Was that the you one didn't... with the trees? Yes. <laughs> I'm evil. evil. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I gave it away. Sorry, folks, if you haven't seen it. I'm, I'm M. Night Shyamalan, and I'm going to make trees scary. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, that, that's for another show. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. we'll do a whole series on bad movies. Oh, no, mm. we already have. Yeah, right. Um, this, the stamps, there are stamps in this film, and they do play an important role. Uh, boy, I just gave something away there. In the original <laughs> film, were based on real stamps. They just upped their value by one of whatever they were worth. Um, the new ones were totally fake. They made them up. Mm-hmm. Fandy Newton, who I have to give props to, I really like her in this yeah. film. And yeah, I really like great. her later on, later on in other films. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, is the Regina in this film, and uh, she's most recently been seen on HBO's Westworld, which itself is a remake, sort of, mm-hmm. kind and of. Solo, a Star Wars story. So uh, I would uh, check her out, as it were, but uh, I don't remember having seen her before this. I know she did have some work, but I really liked her in this role. And man, was she stepping into some big shoes, because she was basically Seriously. taking over for Audrey Hepburn. And while she's no Audrey Hepburn, I think she does a great job. Yeah. Whereas so. Marky Mark is definitely no Cary Grant. Hey, that was one of my notes. So sorry. <laughs> Actually, it was two of my notes. But uh, yeah, so that's what I have for trivia. Did you happen to look anything else up or do you know anything uh, else? The, the only thing is that I, I don't know if it counts as trivia or as part of the plot is the presence in this in Truth About Charlie of, for no reason, Charles Aznavour. Right. You, by the way, do you know who he is? Did you he, heard of him before this? Before you saw this movie? Oh, uh, he is a famous French singer. He's uh, very famous for uh, singing oui. in French. <laughs> oui, oui, he does that thing. Did I mention I was French? I'm Frenchy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, in answer to your question, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the guy's a friggin' legend. Yeah, he. They call him the Frank Sinatra of France. He sold like 180 million records. He's he's won every award possible. Hell, CNN and Time Online designated him, you know, by pop by global vote, as the entertainer of the 20th century. Wow! He edged out Bob Dylan. He edged he edged out Elvis Presley. Well, That's how big a deal parts. he he's a huge deal in Europe. I, he does add a certain je ne sais fromage to this <laughs> film. No, no, no. He's actually I, I, you can tell even if you don't know who he is, and I didn't. Uh, you can tell that this is somebody. Yeah. But it's kind of weird because he sort of just literally walks into the film and then walks out again. Yeah, yeah of, that's pretty much. Hello, I am Charles Aznavour and I am in your movie. Yes. Goodbye. With, whether you like it or not, I am here. That's like, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, that was my, one of my major WTF moments. Okay. Well, uh, so we're done with trivia, which means that now 
lowdown. Here we are. So, uh, Charade. Now, Max, I believe you said you thought you had seen I had. part of Charade. I, I, or... No, I had seen it before. I just seen it a long time ago. So, Charade is one of my personal favorites. I really like uh, this film. It's a great it, movie. It is not without its minor flaws, but yeah. it has got. I mean, it's got Audrey Hepburn, so you kind of win just from there. You surely and, do. And Cary Grant, I like him just fine. Yes, there is one big sort of uh, elephant looking you right in the eye like, oh, yeah, he's big, old enough to be her dad. Literally, he was, I believe, almost 60 when he made this movie and she was 34. Right. So it's 25 years difference. But to his credit, he really didn't want to do the film initially mm -hmm. because of that. He said, mm -hmm. I can't do this. I'm too old. And eventually they do make it work partially by having it be almost entirely non-physical except she's always climbing on top of him i mean yes and sort of the thing that kind of saves it is she's the one who's in effect physically pursuing him right. she's very clearly into him and she he spends most of the movie telling her he's married or divorced <laughs> uh so you know it does work out that way and also Cary grant is willing to be goofy mm. which is really endearing like it's obvious that she's a very Flighty's not the right word because that, that sort of implies ditzy, but she's very, a very warm, positive person. Mm -hmm. And Cary Grant is usually a bit more serious, although he's also played in some great screwball comedies. Oh, but God, there's, yeah. There's points in this film where he's just making faces at her. And it's very playful and it's mm -hmm. very childlike, not childish. And it's well, that, fun. There's that hilarious scene where he's trying to cheer her up by taking a shower with all his clothes on. Yeah, apparently part of the reason they did that was it's like, he was not entirely in shape, and they thought it might be better. And then they realized, oh, yeah, and also the whole sexual side of things. Let's just not yeah, do that, yeah. which is good, which is good. I think it plays well for this film. Mm -hmm. um, also, I just, you know, this we talked about this in one of our earlier shows, casting. Oh, wow. Casting makes a huge difference. And uh, before we even get to Charlie, I'm going to have to say that the person who cast Charade was, shall we say, more accomplished than the person who <laughs> cast The Truth About Charlie. Not yeah. in all positions. There are characters mm -hmm. I like a lot in Charlie. But, man, you've got um, uh, James Coburn. Oof. You've got George Kennedy in a role that will surprise yeah, you. very different usually than what he usually big, does. Yeah, he's usually big, avuncular, old, grumpy George Kennedy trying to get the plane out of the mm -hmm. snow. And here, he's quite menacing and really good yeah, at it. Yeah, he's actually kind of scary and intimidating. <laughs> and Walter friggin' Matthau... Yeah, great. Who is usually the grumpy old man, even when he's 20, yep. is yeah, is actually quite menacing. Later on when he needs to be. Yeah. Right? But in the, other... in the beginning, you're thinking, oh, it's soft, you know, doughy, plumpy, yet shiny <laughs> Major Hood. No, uh, Walter Matthau. And it works very well because you're yeah. like, well, of course we have to trust him. How can you not trust old, you know, doughy Walter Matthau, uh, Oscar <laughs> Madison? But... Uh, you know, then when things change, you know, we'll, well, we're going to discuss it. But yeah, the cat. And also, I can't remember. I don't remember the actor's name. And I feel bad because he's been in everything. But basically, Irving, the accountant, um, yeah. even he comes off as threatening. And it's like, yep. here's this little nebbish. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I don't want to mess with any of these people. Yeah. He's, um, and he's, I mean, his whole joke is that he's, uh, you know, he's always sneezing. He's uncomfortable. He's got like bicarbonate of soda by his bed frame. He's balding. He's a little guy. And yet he's just as scary as the others. Yeah. You can tell he's the planner. He's the brains. Mm -hmm. um, so the casting in the original film is just great. And also, you know, Paris, this is back when you could film a foreign country and it felt like it was another planet, right? France was not just a click away. And I will say that in Charlie too, there are lots of moments where you can tell this is not Canada. You know, this is not, we're not making do. This is France. Yeah. But speaking of that, one of the contrasts to me is in charade. Paris looks great. Paris looks wonderful. Paris looks like a place you'd like to go in Charlie. It looks like a dump. <laughs> well, Here's the it thing. does. I well, mean, it's all badly lit, and it's always raining, and it's always showing the nastier parts and the dirtier parts, and it's doing uh, like horrible, like close-ups, a lot of close-ups, as opposed to like Charade does these wide shots that says, "Look at this city." <laughs> I can't this help it. city <laughs> is a character. I can't help but wonder if it wasn't like, yeah, Paris isn't this pretty. Easy. Let's just tighten up. Can we tighten up and make it look better? <sighs> I don't know. I've never been to Paris. I, I'm sure that Paris I have. I've been, I was in Paris like ten years ago. It's still gorgeous. It's still 
a really nice city to look at. Yes, it has bad parts. So does every place. Yeah. Well, let's but say Charlie let's... just makes it look like a slum. Oh, here's the thing. You know, the time that this was made, uh, and even considering up till now, gritty is kind of what people want, or they think uh, Hollywood thinks we want. Mm. So I can sort of get it, but I I won't disagree with you. It's a gray film. Um, There's not a lot of sunshine in this film. (laughs) Um, And of course, Charade looks, depending on which print you get, looks fairly grainy. Interesting note about that. Charade, um, Charade's in the public domain. Mm, that's right. They for, I read about that. They forgot to file copyright on it. No, they did. All they did was they forgot to put it on the prints of the film. Oh, when the oh. film was released, it was released. It just said 1963. It didn't say copyright. The word copyright, the symbol, nothing. And didn't even have the little C on it, which would have been enough. And so basically, <laughs> when they released it by not copywriting the prints, they released it into the public domain. So Oops. you can do whatever you want with it. Um, sadly, uh, apparently the, uh, writer of charade and it was originally written as a screenplay. Nobody wanted it. So he serialized it. I think it was red book. I can't remember, but he serialized the story in magazines and suddenly everybody wanted to do it. But the guy who wrote it was dead against the remake. Uh. And apparently he, in a lot of the prints, I don't know if the American prints, but prints wherever he could, he changed the name of the screenwriter based on the story by to Peter Joshua, who was one of the oh. aliases of Cary Grant and was mm. two of the names of his son. Mm, that's right. He son. had son Peter and Joshua. Right. Um, yeah. I, Charade is definitely one of those films. It is, it is a, it's not really a Hollywood film because it wasn't made in the, in the States, although it was made by Universal. So I guess it counts, but it is a classic yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, if you can squint a little, Cary Grant doesn't seem so old. He's certainly enjoyable. He has a great performance. It- that's the thing. You kind of forgive the age difference because the two of them, Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant, have such great chemistry. They and really they do. so much fun. I, I, Cary Grant was quoted as saying at one point, all I want for Christmas is to make another movie with Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. And, you know, I have not heard a single bad thing about her. I haven't seen a performance of hers I didn't like, even in movies that I didn't like, like Breakfast mm. at Tiffany's. I have no problem yeah. with her. It's just certain elements of the other film and Mickey Rooney. I'm looking right at you. Um <laughs> But she's she's you know, a delight. He was, the, he was the number one star <laughs> in the world. Yeah, um, she's one of those actresses that you just want to watch. You yeah. just enjoy Audrey Hepburn because she's not only a really good actress, but she's just joyful. Yeah, and she and she's stunning. She's so beautiful, and those eyes yes. that you could just get lost in. I, well, they and, use them and, to such great extent at the end of the film, where she's in the little conductor's pit and she's looking mm. above it like a cat. You know, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't want you to find it under the bed. All you see are those eyes, and they're perfect. Mm-hmm. They're so cat-like. Mm-hmm. And she has this strange sort of mix of vulnerability and yet strength at the same time. Yes. Um, I'm actually, it's a scene, It's for me, it's always been really disturbing. Even though nothing actually happens to her, the scene where she's in the phone booth and James Coburn is flicking matches at her, Ooh, really, yeah, just, it just really makes my skin crawl. And it's like... It's disturbing. And that's that's all that happens. She doesn't actually get burned and they, they get close to her. But mm-hmm. like these days, you'd actually see, you know, something horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And I get just as like squicked by watching him do that. Just because it's like, no, no, you can't mar Audrey Hepburn. No. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, if you have not seen Charade, at the very least, I can tell you right now of these two versions, by all means, definitely thumbs up for Charade. It is a oh, yeah. it's a oh, classic yeah, no film. It has a little it has its flaws here and there, but it's well cast. It's well paced. It makes the world still feel exotic because we start off in Switzerland and end up in Paris. Um, and it feels like it. It doesn't feel like we're faking um, I will say that there's also still some grit to Paris, but it's not dirty grit. It's just old lived in grit in this film. Eh. Um, it's, it's history. Think of it that way. Yeah. It's history. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But like Max said, it makes you want to go there. I want to go yeah. to those nightclubs. I want to think that things like that still exist. You want to see those, yeah, those restaurants. You want to see those gorgeous streets. You want to ride on that cool boat that they have dinner on. Yeah. And then you want to sit there and have some aim spotlights and people making out and or doing questionable things in the dark. You would think yeah, that, that's a little odd. Well, you'd think that after all, people go, oh, we can't make out down by the river because, you know, they're going to shine those spotlights. Let's go into the bushes, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. But ah, it is a l'amour. So you do this. It is Paris, l'amour. That's right. They shine the spotlight and there's this skunk chasing a, a cat with white paint down its back <laughs> along the street. 
Avic. Uh, so yeah, charade. Then in two thousand. Oh, oh, th- sorry, one other thing about charade. Yes. One of the things that it's strange. I even I swear I remembered it this way, even though it isn't. I was sure this was a Hitchcock movie. Everybody does. Everybody. Yeah, that is. I was. That was in the trivia too. Everyone thinks it's the best Hitchcock movie never made. Yeah, and it isn't. It's a guy named Stanley Donan, and who is also probably best known for directing Singing in the Rain. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's two films you wouldn't put together, although they have music nope. in it. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, and the direction is great. And a lot of the, it has a real Hitchcockian feel in the weird camera angles, the multiple shots, the things like a corpse eye view. And I would even say it's better than some Hitchcock films. Well, some of them, but yeah. overall, overall, Sir Alfred was pretty, Was he knew how to sling a camera around. Yeah, except Rope. Rope drives me nuts. I can't watch it's, Rope. It's like, yeah, rope, change the angle, change a, the angle, cut away, cut away, cut, cut, cut. Rope, rope was an experiment, and it was toward the end of his career. You know, you got to give him a little slack. Oh, I appreciate experiments. Get it, I Rope, watching it slack. <laughs> what? Oh, 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 oh I, I stabbed me. Um <laughs> I know other people wish they could. Um, yes. I, yeah, for people who don't know, Rope is a film where they use one camera and it never cuts, it never changes angle. It is shot, the camera moves, it wanders around and follows people, but it never cuts and you just sit there waiting for it to happen. <laughs> and it's like, yes, it does evoke, you know, tension, but it's because you're just waiting for the camera angle to change. It drive, drove me insane. I was actually nearly screaming at the screen. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, um, charade, uh, just in, we'll probably come back to it, but delightful film, uh, great cast, great plot, um, great twists, uh, a lot of fun. Then in 2002, or as I said earlier, then in 2002, (laughs) they decided this to be fair that we talked about this last week where there was this sort of resurgence or sudden interest in heisty films. This is not really a heist film because there's no robbery taking place during the film. But it's the yeah, same it re- idea. It references a robbery. Yeah. Sort of. And there was a bunch of them in this, this time period. Some of them were remakes, like last week's, and some of them were new films. Most of them, I think, were remakes. But there's a couple of notable exceptions, like The Score and The Heist were both, uh, as far as I know, new films. Um, but they decided, hey, we can do that. We can mm-hmm. make... look. Hey, remember Charade? That was... we. Hey, and it's in the public domain. Let's make another one of those. <laughs> So they decided to uh, to hire Mark Wahlberg, who, um, mm-hmm. as we pointed out, is not <laughs> Cary Grant in any no. way, shape, or form. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, again, we have Thandie Newton, who at that point was still fairly new into the business. She had done some work, but she was... I really like her. I like her in oh, a lot of the, I like her in a lot of the same ways that I like Audrey Hepburn, but I don't feel she's trying to ape Audrey Hepburn. No, although yeah, I think she kind of tried to do a little of the accent, and she talked. She, some of the speech patterns reminded me a little of Audrey Hepburn. Could be. Um, and this... she do, she does the batting of the eyes a little bit. Yes. But she's definitely her own character, and she's really good at it. She's also got that kind of fragile strength at it thing about her. She looks so delicate, but you know she holds together. Yes. However, <laughs> unlike uh, Regina in the original film, I'm going to have to go out on a limb here and say that. Reggie in Truth About Charlie is not smart. She keeps going yeah. to these places alone that she really shouldn't go. There's yeah, even one yeah. where she's going into the flea market when it's not open and she keeps looking over her shoulder before she goes inside and she's like, I'm sure someone's watching me and then she goes in anyway. And yeah. it's like, why are you doing this? I don't know. Yeah, She doesn't catch on to some parts as quickly as the Audrey Hepburn character does. She seems much more of sort of a babe in the woods. Yeah, which is too bad because one of the... The other other problem or the big problem for me... Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Well, it's not just him. It's she and Mark Wahlberg have no chemistry. No. (laughs) I mean, zilch. It's like two inert elements. And... You're supposed... I don't believe their relationship at all. The whole thing in Charade is that the two characters immediately form a connection. And you don't know how... The, the question is, you don't always know how much of it is real and how much of it is an act on Cary Grant's part. In this right. case, it's like, why do you like him? Okay, he looks nice with his shirt off. Well, but, but we don't even on. get to see that, really. We yeah, see we him, do. Very briefly. We see, like, from, like the, the, from the side, we see him from the shoulders up. And it's like... You've got Mark Wahlberg. He was a a Calvin Klein underwear model. Why are you Mm. wasting him? 
Why are we not seeing this? I don't understand. Yep. Like, if she's going to be attracted to anything, potentially, because as you pointed out, his personality is nothing to write home about in this movie. Mm. You could say, well, okay, I see why she might like this, but they don't even show it. Mm. It's like, um, yeah. okay, whatever. And the other thing, too, is that during the film charade, you're going to make me say charade every freaking time. Um, yes, I am. <sighs> Um, Cary Grant, we find out that Cary Grant is a number of layers of lying. In Charade, every time she finds out another layer of his lies, Regina, you can see why Regina still goes with him. Because Mm -hmm. he has that magnetism, he has that, that charisma, and you want to believe him too. As soon as she finds out that Mark Wahlberg's character is lying, because he's got this edge of creepy, like... Yeah. You're expecting him to do something bad. I don't understand why she doesn't just run for the police. And in this film, I got to say, I like the police captain's character a lot. You know, I thought that uh, Regina had more chemistry with the female police captain. <laughs> they did, there is this yeah. great scene in her office where the captain is trying both to comfort her and to let her, get her to help her. And they're leaning in together and they're both smoking. And I'm thinking... I would be okay if those two started making out. I mean, it just it just fits. <laughs> and then later had... she makes out with Pierre. <laughs> yeah, the guy yeah. behind her. I guess her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, her fellow cop. She's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the ca- the commandant is apparently sleeping with him. Yeah. But, I, uh, I really liked her. She doesn't have yeah. a lot of screen, but when she she's She was cool. There, she was cool. I even like it when they catch her in bed with the other cop. Because it's mm-hmm. obvious that she's in control of that situation, not just because she's his boss, but because they want it that way. And I'm like, I, I want to see more films with her. Yeah. That character. It's a, it's a real contrast because in Charade, the police are shown as, you know, basically it's, all, it's a department full of Inspector Clouseau. They're all <laughs> sort kill of. Clouseau, I will kill him, kill, kill Clouseau. Because <laughs> he, he's like, yes, this nose is always, is always right. I always find, I always sniff out. Uh, to the evil duel. It's like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And in this, you know, the the commandant is like, damn. Yeah. All right. I, I don't understand. you. She's, that was actually kind of one of the problems with the truth about Charlie yeah. is in both movies, Regina try, has to fi- find someone she thinks she can trust. In this case, a guy in the, it's Walter Matthau in the first one who claims to work for the CIA. Right. Spoiler, he doesn't. <laughs> and which quite or the honestly, OCD the, or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, the, no, no. In the end, it was a CIA. And oh. then the truth about Charlie, you have Tim Robbins yeah. do, doing his Boston accent, uh, which, uh, which he doesn't, which isn't as bad as some, but isn't very good. Uh, and uh, he is for some, the OD. Basically, some made-up intelligence agency, the ODC, or yeah, the OCD, or the <laughs> MOUSE. I'm not sure. Oh boy! And she has, she feels she can trust him. He's an American, and, and in, as soon as he shows up, it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, I because at least again in Charade it worked better because she actually goes to the American embassy, right? And Walter Matthau has basically snuck in to use an office there. It's much more convincing. You know, he, she meets Tim Robbins on the street, and he says, "Hi, I am a government official." Well, now wait. To be fair, she was picked up in a, a government car, or at least it's oh. made to look like one, it and it's in like front one. of the office. Oh, okay. So now, to be fair, I understand why they did that because yeah. security in 2002, with all its electronic retinal scan, GNA print, blah blah blah, OCD crap. Um, would have been harder to like say, well, he just waltzed in and took an office. Whereas in 1963, uh, security, um, that guy. <laughs> so that part <laughs> okay, I don't that, have a that's problem. That's a point. With. That's a point. But, but Tim the, Robbins the other... is threatening. <laughs> yeah, he's scary from the get go. Walter Matthau he... was not. It doesn't help that he towers over her. Tim Robbins is a huge man. He yes. is very, very tall and very physically imposing. Yes. Even though it's funny because he's not like built. He's no. not uh, a bodybuilder or anything, but he's very imposing. He's got real presence. And yeah, he's intimidating. But the difference between the movies is in Charade, she has only him to trust. She has only the CIA agent right. who turns out to be untrustworthy. In Truth About Charlie, she has the cop. 
right. who she knows is a cop because she has been to police headquarters and everyone calls her commandant and she showed her a damn badge. Right. Never mind the fact that when she's in that room with her, they're surrounded by other cops and there's cops going around. And that, that, yep. that's why she's so nervous because there, she's surrounded by police. But it's like, there, this is not yeah. somebody faking. <laughs> there is no question. And so why is she trusting Tim Robbins at all? Why right. doesn't she, why is the first thing she do to go to the cop go, hey, have you ever heard of the... J E double L O or the <laughs> AFL CIO or whoever that this guy says he works for are they real? M O U S E. That is one of the large. There are there are plot holes in both movies. Yeah. In charade, you don't care. No. In this, you're sitting there and you just start counting. Yeah. So this is where you know casting. It's something that most people don't think about. Occasionally, you'll see a film and go, "Wow, this guy stinks in it." Like for for example, I generally wish that. Leonardo DiCaprio was not cast in most of the movies he's in. It's not that oh. I think he's a bad actor. I think in some of the films he's done great work. But yeah, certain Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, which is, it, and that's a Martin Scorsese film. And generally I don't like him in Martin Scorsese films. Like The Aviator, I never once believed he was Howard Hughes. Just yeah. never worked. I didn't like him in Gangs of New York. But yeah. I like Basketball Diaries, which is a really hard film to watch. He does a brilliant job in. Um, we can go back to uh, Gilbert Grape. We can go to. I even like thought he was great in Titanic, but yeah, he fit the part. But casting can sometimes make a huge difference, and this is one yeah. of those differences. Mark Wahlberg doesn't belong in this film. He thinks it's actually his worst film, as I said. So yeah. you know, and I'm going to say I, he phones it in. He can actually be a good actor. It he needs he certain can. roles. He, yeah. um, he was really good in The Fighter. Which he okay, kind yeah. of more or less plays himself, uh, but which <laughs> is okay. Also, There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hell, that's no. what Jack Nicholson does. Yeah, um, he, I, you know, I think he's in most of the action films he's in. He's fine. I have no problems with Mark Wahlberg. I don't think he's got a you know great breadth, but so what? Yeah. He can be good in this film. It's just he's kind of lost. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, then I look at the police captain, brilliant casting. She's great. Again, I'd like to see more more of her. Let's see an entire film about her. Uh, that would have been probably, you know, let's see the underground of, of crime in France or Paris. That'd probably be really cool. Yeah. Uh, Tim Robbins. I like Tim Robbins in a lot of things. But here mm -hmm. you need somebody that basically draws you in because you don't feel threatened and you don't think could do anything like you trust them. And I don't trust him. As, as soon as uh, here's one of my favorite films is the third man. And when she meets wow. him for the first time, what does she do? She goes into a car, a uh, Ferris wheel with him. There is mm -hmm. a great scene in the third man where the main character played by Joseph Cotton finally meets up with the character played by Orson Welles. And they and have Harry to go. Some, yeah. And they have to go somewhere that's kind of neutral where no one's watching them. And it's this sort of tense scene. And what do they do? They get into the Ferris wheel. So yeah. I, I know it's a totally different city, but all I could think of was like, uh, be careful that he doesn't suddenly throw you out because <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah just it's, it, there's a lot that has to work because this film has twists in it. And a lot of them have to do with characters and it just doesn't. Yeah, it's this. It's I felt the same way. I really didn't like the casting. I didn't like the people they had playing the rest of the more or less bad guys. You know, I didn't mind them so much. I liked. The, I, I didn't look up her I name, found, and I'm sorry. The woman, the black woman, I liked. Uh, Lo, the character who played Lola. Yeah, she was interesting, and I liked the way she sort of her relationship to Regina changed. I kind yeah. of liked, except it didn't make any sense. No. She starts off like being really aggressive and really scary and tough, and then then one of her last scenes is she's like dancing with her and saying, "You know, I didn't like you at first. Now I've got kind of a crush on you." Well, here's like, okay, that's nice. Why? That here's, doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't come from any place. I could say this. I could say that the character in this film, as opposed to Charade, was somebody who was a lot more sympathetic, and I could say that mm. she saw that. You know what? She really doesn't know. So I don't, I'm not into threatening her with all this stuff because that's not going to get anywhere. She doesn't know anything anywhere. And look, she got screwed over by Charlie too. So mm. we have something in common. The problem is, is that this film, besides that part, which bothers you, they muck up the plot and they try to make all of the bad guys sympathetic characters yeah. and it does not work. It just it makes really a doesn't. mess. Um, it really convolutes the plot. In, in Charade, it's quite straightforward. Yeah. They were they were guys in a World War II unit. They got a hold of a shipment of uh, OSS or whatever. OCD yeah, OSS, gold. OC, yeah, OSS gold. They stole it. Right. And they buried it and they come back. These guys are like 
mercenaries or maybe not or maybe they're military or special forces or something who were doing a hostage negotiation and, and, and the one same... of them did yeah. this and another one it, it gets really confusing and unnecessarily so because it doesn't add anything no and it the idea is still the same the idea is that charlie in both cases said uh yeah we'll come back and then he snuck in took all the money and yeah. somebody found out and killed charlie um and they all think that somebody else did and they think that Charlie had the money, which he did. And that of course, Regina must know where it is and she doesn't know anything about it, but making them sympathetic. And they all kind of at the end of the film of Charlie, they're all kind of sort of working together kind uh, of, and they're kind of nice to each other. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? That was, there is one scene that make, well, excuse me. There are a number of scenes that make absolutely no sense to me toward the end. When the last remaining of the gang members, right, uh, Lee Lee Sung, yep, figures out the bit about the stamps, and right. he and Mark Wahlberg start running back to Regina's apartment to get the stamps, and all they're doing is racing each <laughs> other. They're, it's a damn foot race. They're not fighting. No. They're doing nothing to slow down or stop the other guy until they actually get to the stairs. They're just like, okay, whoever gets back to her room first gets the stamps. One, two, three, go. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> what? In, in, in a charade, uh, James Coburn has got a couple minutes on Cary Grant. And also, let's fair, let's be fair, it's probably like an, at least 10 or 15 years on Cary Grant. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's yeah, also yeah. a very important difference with that time lag because... There is time in Charade for somebody else other than Cary Grant to have killed James Coburn. In Charlie, there's not. And it's like, well, when did... We're giving this away, but when did Tim Robbins get to sneak in and how did Mark Wahlberg not see him? But he didn't. He didn't kill the guy. Mark Wahlberg knocked the guy out with a fire extinguisher. He wasn't dead. Well, which is dumb because his eyes were slightly open and Regina kept kicking him in the foot and there was literally no reaction. And I'm like, okay, so it's dumb. And then speaking of adding crap that didn't need to be there, how about mom? Because we need to add Charlie's mom. What the hell was that? I thought that was going to, they were going to try to do something clever, but out of nowhere, the murdered man's mother, right? Charles Lambert, Charlie Lake, his mother, who appear, shows up and starts trying to kill Regina because she's convinced Regina murdered her son. This is not in charade. This is not anywhere. And there's a reason. It doesn't make any sense. And it just distracts. Well, not only that, but it turns out that, at least in charade, Walter Matthau has killed all these people because they were part of his group and they left him for dead. He's got perfect motivation for this. In this film, if I remember correctly, Tim Robbins doesn't kill anybody except Charlie. And it's like... he killed Charlie and sort of he's... He's nearby. Yeah, that's it. He's he's murder adjacent. Yeah. It's like he kills one of the guys, Mr. Sniffly Sneezy, who has got to be the most unpleasant character in either film because yeah. he's just like he's icky. He's greasy well, and he's yeah, sneezing. You, you know who that who that was? Did you recognize him? I, he the looked actor? familiar and I couldn't figure yeah. out who it rubs the lotion on its skin. Oh, it was actually Jamie it was Buffalo. Well, you got to realize the director, which we haven't talked about, the director yeah, of The yeah. Truth About Charlie is Jonathan Demme, who, who directed Silence of the Lambs. Who has done so much better than this. Yes, he really has. And, and he really likes the the guy, the actor, Ted Levine. He was Buffalo Bill in, in Silence of the Lambs. And he puts him in this for no apparent reason. And that's the thing. Tim Robbins doesn't murder him. The guy yeah. has a heart attack. Because he saw him. Ah, it's you. Ah, ah. And then the other one. No, am I in Howard the Duck? Ah, (laughs) You know, he's got another shot because they're making a new TV show about that. Yeah. Yeah, one of my coworkers blamed me for it. Uh, It's like, hey, look, your GoFundMe campaign is successful. And it's like, no, no, I, no, not, no. I will admit. That's the thing. The character of, I don't even remember the guy's name. Who cares? I remember Liu Sung. I remember Lola. And then there was Ted Levine. Greasy, the clown. Yeah. yeah, who at one all we know about him is he uses acupuncture needles on himself and and that little weird we machine where you can give yourself electric shocks for some we reason. We don't know why. We know nothing about him. No. It's just he's nothing but a collection of props. And yeah, he, he he adds nothing. Yeah, and that's also, true. None of them actually get murdered. No. And well, here's the thing too: is his being on the train, right? Mm. He saw Greasy. 
Mm-hmm. Was his plan, if he sees me, I know he'll go into cardio. I mean, how do you plan that? That's a kind of clumsy murder plan. I will scare him to death. And here's the other thing, too. If he wasn't planning on scaring Greasy to death, then having been seen, wouldn't he then try to kill him because he doesn't yeah. want anybody to know he's still alive? No. He's just, the, oh, I see him. Ah, and dies. Uh, and, of course, he, you know, thankfully dies right on top of uh, Mark, uh, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. So, you know, that's handy. Uh, who for some reason is called Joshua Peter as opposed to Peter, whatever, you know, because that needed to happen. Um, Yeah, yeah. he only has like two aliases or three, I think. And then he does basically does the same thing with Lola, although that can't be planned because it turns out Lola is killed by the mother, even though she was aiming for Regina. Yeah. So it's like, oh, look, it's Tim Robbins. I better stand here in the street while I know that there is a car coming at me. I should just, hey. And then she gets No, no, hit. that actually I could understand. First off, he doesn't want her to die. He's he's yelling out to warn her. She turns, sees him, and freezes because she's seeing a man she thought was dead. But here's the thing. If he hadn't said anything, she probably, she probably would have jumped way. out of yeah, the way. Yeah, I know. But, but I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> but even still, I, it's like you said. It's like he's adjacent to murder. He doesn't yeah. commit it, and he's not an accessory. He's just sort of there and it happens it's just just, none of that makes sense no because he is a threatening character he let's let him he should be threatening let's see him be threatening and he doesn't yeah they should have just done that but no and at the end it's like he doesn't walter Matthau eventually is killed because you know they in a in a desperate fight right and in this it's like oh no we're just let you why don't you just surrender Uh, okay (laughs) you know i the reason I don't mind that scene is because I like everybody else, else's performance in it. Yeah. I like the police commandant. You can tell she's scared, but she's also not giving in to fear. You can yep. see the look between her and her lover. Mm-hmm. And it, you can, like, there's definitely a, a tension of affection there. So I like that. But, you know, Mar- Mark Wahlberg's fine. And for some reason, Regina, during the entire scene where it's like, Mrs. Lambert and and Mark <laughs> Wahlberg, she just stands next to him. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't get between them equally to show us visually that she's having trouble deciding where to go. Yep. Um, of course, in Charade, it's literally because there's two people with guns and she can't yep. decide. Finally, she just lets out this frustrated scream because she doesn't know where to go. And yeah. she darts between them and goes behind a the great column. moment in the film because you really feel the oh my god i can't trust anyone i don't know what's happening right Every, nothing i thought was real is real and i'm right at the breaking point and of course and that, in that, that film... comes across and in this one and i don't blame thandy newton for this it's clearly the director just sort of forgot she was there <laughs> And just said, yeah, yeah, Sandy, just hang out for a minute. I want, okay, Tim, I want you to give me more of this. Hey, hey, Mark, stare blankly at him. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, Tim, I want you to be threatening, but don't pull your gun, okay? Just leave it. We don't need to see it. We know it's there. So don't give her a reason that she has to stand there. It's implied because, um. Oh, no, he has his guns out. No, not not when she's just standing there. He says, oh, oh, uh, she says, are you armed? Man. He says, always, Mrs. Lambert. But we don't see the damn gun till the yeah. commandant shows up. And it's like, yeah. ugh. And the sad thing is, is when I saw that, I saw this when it came out. I was one of the, the three people. Um, uh. I actually didn't dislike it as much as I do now. Um, I, there was parts of actually there are parts that I like. Uh, I like the the soundtrack. The music in this is really cool. And we yeah. I actually bought the soundtrack when it came out. I like the opening song. Jim the Gin is very catchy. It is not. It is catchy in the same way that Charade is classic. I don't think Charade is is catchy, but it is a fitting tune. Um, there's some other world music. A lot of it is French in there. But I just liked that the soundtrack i thought that was cool again some of the characters i like um some of them i don't also if you smile in this movie you're automatically a bad guy because yeah. all the bad guys smile and they do it badly yeah. <laughs> like mark Barber, trust me nope no no <laughs> yeah tim robbins even tim robbins does this stupid thing i don't know why this is there but like just as regina's trusting me he goes boo and it's like no you've just blown your character yeah so, yeah. and I don't know that Tim Robbins did that. It may have been in the script or whatever, but um, no yeah, it's, uh, it's very messy. And, and then, then when you think the film is done, you see this, this showdown, which has none of the tension of the original film. 
Um, when it's over and they take him away and the credits roll, it's like, oh, good, we're done. It's like, nope, we're not done because mom's still out there. And mom, who is a certifiable lunatic, somehow gets into a high security prison. Yeah, this woman who they've already said is probably suffering from dementia. Right. Somehow manages to dress up as a prison trustee, bring the food to Tim Robbins' characters and cleverly poison him. Yeah, and it looks like a jail from a Batman episode from 66. Like, the little slot where the food goes in has a gold frame around it. And his cell is, like, bigger than a Brooklyn apartment. Yeah, very nicely appointed. I mean, obviously, you know, it's France. They try to make it nice, but... And he's standing in the middle of it, just like like, uh, like Hannibal Hannibal Lecter. Lecter, Which, again, is a little tribute to another Jonathan Demme movie, but... Yeah, no, that's just odd. And I'm sorry, the whole sequence where Regina f- comes back to uh, Mark Wahlberg, because I'm sorry, I can think of Thandie Newton as her character. I can't, Mark Wahlberg is Mark Wahlberg. Right. She comes to see him in his little office, which is a very small office considering I think he's what the head of security. Well, that, I don't even know. We, in this movie, we don't know. And yeah, we, we don't, don't know. And they're, and they're like, oh, yes, we're together now. Why? I, which I'm, that was one where I was just going, Why? Why yeah. did you come back to him? This doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And look out the window. There's Charles Osnivore. <laughs> it's like, I swear to God, it's like one of those, like watching Batman, 19, the 1966 show where they're climbing up the side of the wall and one of the windows opens and why it's Sammy Davis Jr. Or look, it's Phyllis Diller. It's like, look out the window. There's Charles Osnivore in a full orchestra who's going to start singing. And, and it's not like they're just seeing him. Everyone no. is seeing him. His secretary runs out to go follow him. Yeah. You know, you know what it's like? It's like the Austin Powers movies. I think it's the second one where he's just suddenly turns to the camera and goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Backrack. And there's Burt Backrack <laughs> playing playing I'll Never Fall in Love Again, I think with Elvis Costello. Now, see, I was actually thinking it's more like that time where there was a knock at the door, Weird Al goes to answer it, and he just says, oh, it's Bare Naked Ladies. Right, for the Weird Al show. Yeah. It makes no sense, no. and it, complete, it doesn't fit the rest of the movie. No. I mean, there's that sequence uh, toward the beginning where he's just playing her a Charles Osnivore uh, CD. CD, and suddenly... it's as Osnivore's in the room with them. And it's like, all right, you're trying to get the idea that they feel like he's in the room with him. I would apparently no, He just wandered in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Osnivore's back. Give him a dollar. Make him go away. Um, I would have thought it made more sense. Like there's a scene in a nightclub. It was in the first film that's in this film. He should have been performing at the nightclub. It would have been fine. That would have worked perfectly. We get this really weird dance scene. Yeah. Where all of the characters are dancing together, like somehow all the bad guys are together. The police commandant is there. And one of the main points is that the, the bad guy gang doesn't want to be seen by the police. And in fact, in the first film, they're not. Here, yeah. they're dancing with each other. And it's sort of like, I guess the idea was, hey, let's do a quick review of where we stand with everybody in the film. But I don't mean stand, I mean dance. So, and how do they all know all the steps? I don't know. And they of course, all dance perfectly with each other. <laughs> uh, it is France. It is how we work here in France. Um, <laughs> so I would have to say, though, that we were talking about chemistry before. I think there's more chemistry between Regina and Lola than there's between yeah. and Regina and, and Mark Wahlberg. Who, I, the two, Peter, Joshua, Peter, whatever his name uh, is. Whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, the three cares. seconds or so that they're dancing together, I'm like, okay, those... Those guys make a cute couple, too. Yeah. I wish they'd explore that. Or her and the Commandant. Yeah. Or maybe all three of them. I don't know. I think they would work. It is France. We Just, do these things in France. Um, sure. We always suit Claude. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, it, the, the basic takeaway for this, folks. The Roundup. Don't see this one. See Charade. <laughs> Yeah. Don't see the truth about Charlie. It's a waste of time. Yeah. There I, are it's true, there are a couple of good things. Despite the inappropriateness, I still kind of enjoy Tim Robbins in this because he's clearly really throwing himself into it. Except for that goddamn accent. And it's oh. like oh, that is a I'm sorry. So for Max and I particularly, this is a real pet oh, peeve. There are yeah. people who have been to Boston. There are people who have been born in Boston, and then there's yeah. people who have heard of Boston. And unfortunately, yeah. Tim Robbins pretty much falls into the latter category. Um, a film that Mark Mulberg did very well in, The the Departed, 
is unfortunately a cast of oh. people who are either from Boston or really should not pretend they've ever been there. Leonardo, I'm looking right at you. Jack right Nicholson, at you, dude. Jack Nicholson basically says, ah, the hell with that. I'm not even going to try, which is No, he doesn't even better. try to do it, thank God. Martin Sheen, who can do an okay sort of New England accent, cannot do a Boston accent. No, and it's just... I get, so the Boston accent, for those of you who don't know it, uh, Cliff Clavin from Cheers, never no. been there. Never no. been there. And in fact, I don't remember anybody else in the show even trying. Good for you, rest of the cast. Um, just him, and he's terrible. Um, if, if you want to hear a real Boston accent without going, pretty much when he's doing his regular hometown accent, Matt Damon, um, mm. his his close friend Ben Affleck, yep. and or Maki Mock. They all actually, I can't even do it. I can't do it. Max and I were both born and raised there, and it's, neither of us can do it. It's wicked hard. It is wicked hard. Um, it is a thick, ugly, hard-to-do <laughs> accent, and it's hilarious if when you actually go to Boston, because people in Boston do not remember or don't realize how thick it is. And every time I get off the, the plane in Logan and I hear somebody, I'd have to keep from laughing. Not mm. because it's funny, it's just that they don't know. Nobody yeah. else talks like this. I don't know why Boston talks like this. I don't know. I think New, New, the New York accent is similar to the Boston accent, so, except it's far more back of the throat. But it's it's very distinctively different. Yeah. And New York, everyone knows. And New York, for whatever reason, seems to be easier to do. And yeah, people have less trouble with it. I don't know why. Yeah. They do. And, of course, Boston and New England are not the same because a Maine accent and a Boston accent are not at oh, all the same. Very different. Because you can't get there from here. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, that's just a pet peeve. So if you're trying to do Boston, if you're if you're not going to get somebody uh, who's a coach who's actually born and raised there, don't do it. Don't. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of Max launched right into the wrap up here. But yeah. Um, yeah, so charade, by all means, seek it out. Uh, mm. And it's public domain. You can probably sadly find it in the two dollar DVD bins or for free online somewhere because they kind of can't stop you. I, re- um, I read something about that. Apparently, because it's in the public domain, there are a load of terrible prints mm. out there. Actually, one of the best ones yep. is on the flip side of the DVD of The Truth About Charlie. Yeah. Uh, it's in the Criterion Collection. For those who don't know what the Criterion Collection is, Criterion yeah. basically seeks out high quality films usually art house and foreign films but there are some american films in there Mm -hmm. as well their whole goal since they've started was to find the best prints possible or possibly even make the best print possible they're the ones who pioneered the whole idea of extras and behind the scenes things because this is back in the days of laser discs they wanted to give people a reason to pony up the cash to pay for these things so they said well we're gonna make these little featurettes about the movie so if you want to get the best version of the movie you'll get our version it's still true they still do that but the only reason that there are extras on dvds is because criterion started doing it um you there are good versions of it out there so you can find out again criterion made one it's a great film seek it out truth about charlie it's mm, another mark Wahlberg. <laughs> another mark Wahlberg thing you you can you can say goodbye to if you're a big sandy newton fan check it out because you know she's good in it and, she is good yeah she's she's always great to watch and there, there's there's moments here and also if you're a charles aznavour fan it's really fun to see him yeah, I mean, he only died last year at the age of ninety-four. This guy hung on a long time. Cripes. And uh, you know, this movie—it's two thousand two. He's a little younger, but he still looks good, and he's still got the pipes. He yep. still can sing. Other but than that, there's you know, pretty much fast forward through everything else. It's like, oh, Char- there's Tandy Newton, Tandy Newton. Okay, fast forward, fast forward. Oh, Charles Osnivore, Charles Osnivore. <laughs> And the whole movie should last you about 11 minutes. I think it's also safe to say, I I think in today's culture, charade is not really a household word. So Mm. if you've heard of charade, you still probably haven't even heard of the truth about Charlie. Yeah. So uh, one other thing, just this is just a little thing. One of the things that bugged me was I kept thinking, wait a minute. okay, the amount of money differs radically between the two movies. In the in charade, they're after two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. Doesn't Ooh. sound like that much now. No. And in uh, Truth About Charlie, they're after six million dollars. And the whole thing comes down to stamps. Yep, they've changed into stamps. And I remember thinking, you cannot tell me that there is a stamp, even that there's three stamps together, that are worth six million dollars. And I and would like to say I am wrong. Yes, you are. I am. There is, in fact, a single stamp. I, I looked this up. I wrote this down. The British, I believe it's 
Guiana. I hope it's not like you know, French. I don't know if it's French Guiana. It's G-U-I-A-N-A. One cent magenta. That thing, this one stamp, is worth $10 million. Yeah. Holy crap. And I got to say, in the original film, too, they are very, they're much kinder to the audience because they throw it in your face, not blatantly, but they have a scene where the camera is looking at his personal effects, and there's much fewer of them in the original film. Mm. And they look, let you look right at the money. In the original film, yep, yeah, you and, show it to, and, and there's a hint in the very in the opening scenes, yep, about stamps. They point out that stamps are going to be important, but it's very, very subtle. Yep, it's sort of very. like last week's film when we talked about Thomas Crown, um, mm-hmm. but in the the newer film, you don't even really get a look at them until much no later idea. on, and it's like they it's like they don't trust the audience. They're like, oh, yeah. they'll figure it out. So uh, we don't want we don't want to screw things up. And it's like, no, it it was nice that they they actually just had a nice long shot. It's like, okay, there's his tooth powder, there's his comb, there's his his agenda, and there's his, his the letter to Regina. That's it. And they look at them. It's like, where could there's nowhere for money for this. And they trusted the, their own plot. They trusted yeah. their own cleverness, and it worked. In this film, it's like, here's all this junk. It's like an entire suitcase full of crap. Yeah. And also, and th- to be fair, that, that gives one of my favorite lines in the original film. It's like, oh, do you think it could be heroin? And so he tasted, yes, yes, peppermint-flavored heroin. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line, peppermint-flavored heroin. The dialogue in that one is so good. There are so many good lines. Yeah. That that was the that's the thing that it's again it's a, it's it makes the two movies so different. When Audrey Hepburn realizes it's the stamps yep. in, in Charade, the audience is right there with her. You're going, oh, oh, it's the, oh my God, of yeah. course. In this one, it's like, it's the stamps. You're going, okay, sure. And then she burns them. Yeah, although it's seems not. To. And of course, none of it, nobody even flinches. Like, um, nobody goes, I mean, Mark Wahlberg sort of goes, no, Reggie, don't do it. But like, Tim Robbins is like, yeah, whatever. He just. <laughs> I, I actually I like his reaction. He just starts laughing. Yeah. As Mark Wahlberg says, "I can't, uh, I can't believe you did that." And Tim Robbins is going, "I can." Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so, the, the 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 end result is charade. Big yes. Yeah. Remake. No. This is an example of remake was a mistake. Yeah. yeah pretty much. But next week. We're going to do this again. But what, yeah. what films are we going to look at next week? Are it something really goofy and f- and fruity and weird and chewy? Oh, Han, it won't be chewy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're actually going in a whole, whole different direction. This is a different, this is going to be a cross-cultural remake. What? Yes, we're going. We two, don't have two, culture. <laughs> we're doing two movies. One, which was filmed in Japan, which was a Japanese movie. Oh, a camera was, film? <laughs> Now, believe me, I was tempted, or, or of course, Gojira, ah. which uh, we may do in the future. But uh, a Japanese film that was remade as an American film. We're going to look at the great Japanese action film Yojimbo. Oh. And the American Western version with Clint Eastwood, Fistful of Dollars. Man, that's a great choice, Max. Uh, Thank you. This is going to be a toughie because we're going to have to make some of yeah. our listeners watch a Japanese film. Yojimbo is a brilliant film. Oh, it's, God. It it's, so is. I have to say, I've seen Jimbo. I have not seen Fistful of Dollars. Okay, I've seen them both. They're both really good films. And, I mean, Jimbo, good heavens, if you've never seen a Japanese film, this is the sort you can get away with. Because this is, for heaven's sake, this is Akira Kurosawa, one of Japan's legendary directors. And it stars Toshiro Mifune, who is the most badass actor. Yes. He is so cool. I, so it's going to involve reading. <laughs> I know how yep, we all yep. feel about that, but <laughs> subtitles, uh, yes. It, it, this is this is. Uh, I'm sure it's in that list of a thousand and one films you need to see before you die. That sort of thing. Mm. Uh, it this is really a film. If you are a connoisseur, mm-hmm. if you are somebody who enjoys film for the sake of the art form, this is really one of those movies you should see. And uh, Kurosawa oh. in general, you, there's. His lesser films are still a lot better than most everybody else's films, even better films. And this is not one of his lesser films. So, you know, get off your chair and actually read the movie. <laughs> and, and the nice thing is, this is one of those movies that's both good for you and good. Because yeah. it's exciting and there's lots of action. Yep. And it's not very talky. And there's cool swordplay. 
And then in Fistful of Dollars, it's Clint friggin' Eastwood in his prime. Yeah, before he became, shall we say, politically... Before he started talking to chairs. (laughs) Yes, yes. Because, you know, the chair... It's not, not my, my son. son. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, with that, a deep cut. Right. Yeah, we're we're gonna yank the curtains down on yet another episode of Max Mike movies. For Max Mike movies, I am George Papard, <laughs> and I'm Mr. T. Fool. I pity you. Dun, dun, dun. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.